0: I think we all know the pedigree of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology when it comes to bird resources. And we at the ABA are excited to partner with the Cornell Lab of O to offer an amazing deal exclusive to ABA members. ABA members can now get a 15% discount to any new subscription to Cornell's amazing new Birds of the World resource that is applicable for three years. Birds of the World is a powerful resource that brings deep scholarly content from four celebrated works of ornithology into a single platform where birders can answer all their life history questions for every species of bird they could want. It is extraordinary. You can get more information at birdsoftheworld.org. Welcome to another episode of the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I'm your guest host, Frank Isagiri, sitting in for Nate Swick, who, when this episode airs, will be in Panama on an ABA trip, birding his heart out. So, as many listeners probably know, I've had the great honor for the past year or so of being one of the editors of Birding Magazine, the ABA's flagship publication. I've been splitting the regular issues with longtime Birding editor, Ted Floyd. So, Ted does an issue, and I do an issue, and Michael Redder also edits a couple themed special issues per year. The issues I've edited so far are the January issue, which was the Bird of the Year themed issue, as well as the April issue. And the August issue, which members should have recently received. I hope every ABA member has loved each issue and found them to be interesting and beautiful and informative. One thing I want to mention briefly before talking about this week's rare birds and then speaking with our interviewee is a recurring feature called Codebreakers, which has its first entry in the August issue. The idea behind Codebreakers is that when it comes to building birding skills, there are lots of things that go into that. But two of the biggest categories are identification, like advanced field ID, which we've run a lot of great content on over the years, but also detection. There are some species which are just really hard to find. Sometimes they're uncommon or rare, and sometimes they're just really cryptic. They can be hard to ID, but sometimes they're actually easy to ID, and you know what it what they are right away. It's just detecting the bird that makes it a hard bird. So this new recurring feature, code breakers that I've come up with, is about having experts write kind of like how to find articles about some of these notoriously challenging species. The sweet spot is some some of the harder code two birds and possibly some of the easier code three birds. Not that any of those are are really easy, but um, that's what I, that's what I'm really the range I'm looking at with code breakers. The first Codebreakers in the August birding is by Heather Hill, and I really think it's excellent. It's about black rails. She has a lot of great tips for how to evaluate potential black rail habitat, what kinds of grasses to look for, what conditions are best. There's just a lot of really good stuff in there. The next Codebreakers is going to be in the January 2023 birding, and that's going to be by Diana Doyle, who many readers may remember was the department editor for the Tools of the Trade column. And she's going to be writing about Montezuma quail. The ABA checklist code system, by the way, is I'm sure familiar to many of our listeners, but not everybody. The ABA checklist uses a one through six code system for all the birds that have been found in the ABA area. The ones are common birds that are widespread and straightforward to find in appropriate habitat, while the fives are extremely rare vagrants that are not seen in the ABA area every year. And sometimes many years and even decades can pass before the species is found anywhere in the ABA area. Code sixes are birds that once existed in the ABA area and are now extinct or very likely to be extinct. Anyone interested can check out the ABA checklist at aba.org forward slash ABA dash checklist. So the challenging code twos and maybe some of the easier code threes are the sweet spot for code breakers because they're hard to find, but it can be done in the right places with the right knowledge and some luck. And I want to make sure ABA members who enjoy that challenge have the best information so they can be successful. I think the column could be really fun also for some birders who've gotten, they've gotten their life for Black Rail and they've gotten their life for Montezuma Coil, but they want, they, they, you know, like they went to a known stakeout or someone helped them get the bird. And now they might like to have some tips for finding the bird on their own. And I have several ideas for other good candidates for future code breakers So I hope members are excited about these Codebreaker articles and are excited to receive each issue of Birding Magazine. My goal as editor is for the moment when a member sees Birding in the mail, for that to be the highlight of their day. I want Birding to be the thing our members receive in their mailboxes or in their email inboxes that makes them the happiest. I want it to make people's day when they see that glossy cover peeking through their bills and junk mail and possibly other magazines. I'll always feel free to contact me about Birding Magazine and how you felt about the issue. It's my job to make sure that you love the magazine. Okay, I have a really cool interviewee lined up for this week's episode that I am so excited to introduce. We'll get to that right after this week's Rare Birds. This is the Rare Bird Alert for the first week of September. The headliner for this week is New Jersey's first record of Bermuda petrel, which was photographed off Cape May on August 27th on a pelagic trip. I'm sure many listeners already know this, but that is a really rare bird on a global level with a population of only a few hundred individuals. I believe its numbers are increasing, so hopefully more states are able to add the species to their lists. A few other really exceptional recent records are a golden cheeked warbler in Pinellas County, Florida, which is the second record for Florida. The first was in 1964. And Washington State enjoyed its third record of yellow-crowned night heron, a juvenile bird found in downtown Seattle on August 24th. That bird was found in a small park near a shipping and cruise line terminal, so who knows where it might have come from. Those are your rare bird highlights for this week, but for a more thorough overview of the most recent rare bird sightings in the ABA area, check out the Rare Bird Alert on the ABA's website, published every Friday at aba.org forward slash RBA, or visit the ABA Rare Bird Alert group on Facebook and see the latest news as it gets posted. Have with me today is our guest interviewee on the American Birding Podcast, Jesus Antonio Mo Jam. Jesus likes to go by Chucho. Chucho is a bird guide and professional photographer from Pomuch, Mexico, in Campeche province. Chucho has traveled quite broadly in Latin America throughout his own country of Mexico, but also to many South American countries. He is the author of a feature story in the April birding on three iconic Mesoamerican species, Jabiru, King Vulture, and Agami Heron. He wrote the text and provided all the photos for that that feature, which I thought turned out Really, quite wonderful, and I hope our members enjoyed. He has also proposed some really fascinating topics for future birding articles, which we're going to talk about a bit today, just to give listeners kind of a teaser on this future content. Chucho, thank you so much for joining me. Uh,
1: thanks for 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 you, Frank. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, Frank.
0: Okay, now I want to give our listeners a little warning. We're doing this interview in English, of course, but. We may occasionally, and as necessary, veer into Spanglish or even Spanish as needed, and we may or may not edit those segments out of the published version of the podcast. Okay, so let's dive into the questions. First, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. What are some of your favorite birds? What's it like birding around your hometown of Pomucho in Campeche? Uh, do you have a spark bird? How did you get into birding? Any of those things. Okay, Frank. Um, well,
1: I have a little top 10, but no, it's top 10. It's top three <laughs> because the podcast <laughs> is very short, no? Um, well, my top three and first place is the White Wind Dove and second place, Agami Heron. Um, the last, uh, King Vulture. but everyone asked me the first place why White Wind Dove? What is the reason? Because uh the people say to me, it's the most common bird here. It's, it's very common. But for me it has a personal meaning. Because when I'm child, my mother rescue uh, rescued the pigeons. My mother picked at birds when the, the birds fell from the nest, um rescued to the cats because in my home live a lot of cats. But the cats not it's 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 uh, from my home, no? No, it's the neighbor of the cats. When my mother picked the birds uh, from the ground, I, ge- I grew up with birds around me. Uh, it's for the reason all the time, I'm with pigeons, grackles, and mockingbirds, but most time with doves, in this case, white-winged doves. Uh, I love when the wi- white-winged dove sing and sometimes he'll clean his feathers. i I love it the behavior white wing dove sing I love it uh, Frank, can you give me a chance that I'm seeing like to the white
0: wing dove yeah yeah go ahead we uh, we would love to hear that yeah yeah uh, always
1: always I, I love this yeah sound. that's
0: excellent and and you make that you you can make that call you make it with a combination of your hands and and blowing.
1: Yeah, yeah. With my hands, uh, seeing, and sometimes yeah. I imitated uh, another birds. Yeah, more or less. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I think that was a great, a great white winged yeah. dove. Um, yeah, I, I would love to. Uh, uh, maybe later in the podcast, in the interview, we can you can do some other bird calls because uh, I know you're really talented at that. Do you want to continue with your your top three or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh,
1: well. Um, this is my my favorite bird, the white wing dove. But if you want listen my my story, the how how begin in the bird watch. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> well, when I'm in, when I'm in the university, uh, one day arrived a uh, a friend. Well, is well, a partner in the classroom. Uh, she arrived and asked us. Uh, hey guys, do you want go to the birding festival in Yucatan? He arrived very excited, and in the birding festival, maybe uh, stay twenty eight or look a lot birds. Um, but all the people ask ask him, "What is the birding festival?" Oh, okay, it's a festival where the people look the largest number of birds, and maybe. We go camping, fishing, see the sky with the stars. He mm. talk very, very beautiful. with excited. All the guys are excited because this friend talk beautiful. No? It's, and after the day passed, nobody went to the festival, only me. Uh, mm. I'm here in the building here, <laughs> there, no? Their day. I know great people, like to my friend uh, Dennis Is my teacher in photography and birding. The after the one day, I know maybe one hundred birds. After of this one festival in just the one day, Mm. for me is wow. I don't think in my life I know this one number to, to the birds. My my brain is. A uh, little, I think, no. But when I see the birds, my brain uh, grew up uh, <laughs> inside to me because the birds, uh, the birds, it's all for me, really, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really neat because I don't know if I've ever heard someone cite. You know, a lot, birders go to birding festivals all the time. It's a very popular thing for birders to do. Um, But I don't know if I've ever heard someone say that they got into birding from a birding festival. That might be the first time I've heard someone say that. I'm sure it has happened to other people, maybe even a lot of other birders. But usually it's something people start doing, in my perception at least, once they've been birding for a while. Oh, now I'm going to start going to birding festivals. So that's really cool that someone uh, got you to go or invited you to go uh, to a birding festival. And that's how you got kind of hooked. And by contrast, what you were saying about how you saw more than 100 species in a day, and that like opened your mind, I've, that's something that birders say all the time, you know? Once they sort of discover birding as a pursuit and a hobby, they, they, it's, like, it's like this whole new world has opened up. I've seen people write about that and talk about that a lot, so something different and something very familiar that you described. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks bro. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, in this case um from the festival from the white window for stay very close in these events in my life, I bore my my love for protect all the birds because sometimes mm-hmm. the people kill without reason the birds and you know um with 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 a reason, I I know that some people need it, and sometimes in communities and towns. But just kill for any any reason for me, no, I don't have. It's, it's logic.
0: Yeah, anymore. yeah, that's 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 something that it's. I, I think a lot of um birders in the ABA area have, might have some understanding of this, some concept of this. Hunting in the U.S. and I believe also Canada's like this is is pretty regulated. Um, you need government licenses, and in general, people are you know follow the rules there to go hunting and to hunt certain kinds of birds. But in parts of Latin America, it's it's not necessarily like that. Some sometimes people hunt um, birds like tinamous and things like that for for food, and yeah. sometimes they hunt birds even just for a sport or for fun that they're not even necessarily going to eat. Um, yeah. And so that's a presence in, in some of the forests. Um, so so that is a difference between the, the U.S. and in certain parts of Latin America. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's yeah. something that you feel around you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a problem if you eat the, the beard because you have the right. necessity. Yeah. Sure. But,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first main topic I'd like to discuss uh, with you is your recent trip to Ecuador. You traveled to Ecuador to connect with indigenous communities that are embracing bird tourism. What can you tell us about that experience? What made you want to do it and what was it like?
1: Uh, I loved Ecuador. Uh, I, I live in the indigenous community in Campeche. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, know the cosmovision with animals that another civilization have uh, maybe 100 years ago but now ex community in some places but ecuador have a little community maybe very close to the city santo domingo de los sáchilas but hmm. i go for no to the system for maybe the bello news roads for building because i i i, I I do it birding trips, other uh, countries, no. But I like mm-hmm. have a partner. I want people that live in the indigenous community because if you want save the the forest, you need include the population. And in this case, right. the the birding is the great solution for me. Love that birding is the great solution. Okay. Yeah. I I I I travel I I I make the trip because I need know the Sayama Sayama is the indigenous people Sayama is a bird guide is is uh, very young maybe have the 16 year or 17 years old uh wow. he, re- he remember me when I have the this one age no uh, hmm. but I go for two stories Sayama and Julio Julio is a farmer. Julio have the cattle, great corals, but Sayaman and Julio okay. have a have a juice uh, road. Uh, can you understand me?
0: They there's a road.
1: Aha, uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's metaphoric.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so they they took different paths como como escogieron diferentes caminos.
1: No, los unieron, se unieron. Se unieron, Las,
0: okay, 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 okay. So they, so, so the birds brought, they, they are on different paths, but the birds brought them onto the same path, is what you're saying? Yeah, the same, yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah,
1: because Julio, Julio is a farmer, mm-hmm. designed systems for reforest corals. What is the solutions? Julio, make a feeders, hummingbird feeders. Tanager feeders, and when the birds arrive, the feeders reforest all the corals. This one design has a hit, it's a hit because Julio see most uh, trees around the houses. Julio Maybe in a little place, it's very little. Maybe his place Mm. Julio uh, is a size the Four meters per four meters. It's very little. In these places okay. arrived humming bears, parrot, uh, woodpeckers, yellow leaves honey creeper. Is 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 it's a great place for building. It's very little, but Julio, inside the corals, make a feeder for birdwatch. watch. It's, it's awesome. Sayama, hill mm. life inside the city, have roads for building. Two persons saved his home. Because mm. Sayama is live around the city. The city is eating the the community indigenous. And Sayama mm. saved your community with the beer watch, um, tourists, a, a tours. Um, it's, it's nice. Julio saved his home with the beer, with feeders, with... Reforest his home is a nice story. How the birds change the mind of a lot of people.
0: Well, that's wonderful. It's always wonderful to hear those kinds of stories. Um, yeah. Why might why might birders want to plan any birding trips around visiting or staying in in indigenous communities rather than elsewhere?
1: I, I think no. I think uh, because the uh, sometimes the tourists support uh, communities because is the the most direct solution if you want save the forest, no? Because the people have the jungle uh, like to his garden. The community yeah. indigenous live inside the forest all the time. If you need support the, the forest, you need go to the communities because if the, if the communities need it, uh, in some place need to get their food, no? In this case, it's most easy to the deforest the,
0: the, the forest, no? Right. People need to be part of the solution is what you're saying. And that, that includes within indigenous communities that may live alongside and do live alongside areas that are important for birds and for habitat protection.
1: Yeah, because the tourists, when arriving in some communities, arrive just for a little time. Uh, maybe the tourists lose traditions, landscapes because have a little time and the tourists need come back to the hotel. Um, If you need to very original, maybe I think you need go and visit a long time, the communities in general. No, I, I think.
0: So for you as a Mexican birder, how did birding compare in Ecuador? What were some of the things that really struck you about About that experience, I think you've been in Ecuador multiple times. Was it the birds, the people, the landscapes, all of them? How how did how does how did uh, how did what just what was birding in Ecuador like for you? (laughs) Uh, It's obvious the
1: birds. Ecuador, Mexico have beautiful landscapes, beautiful people, but Ecuador have a birding system very interesting. But no, not just hmm. Ecuador. Oh, don't only Ecuador. Uh, Costa Rica, Colombia have a building system. It's different than Mexico. What What do you mean by What do you mean by building system? Is uh, Is different how the people building in Ecuador than Mexico? Hmm. Is a okay system of uh, um, methods. ¿Qué quiere decir? Que tiene un sistema de observación de aves diferentes. ¿En, en qué sentido? Uh, Ecuador usa un poco más los comederos y México es muy complejo usar comederos.
0: Ah, oh, ok. So, ¿Cómo la plataforma donde ponen la comida para las aves? Ajá, en México
1: es muy complicado hacerlo. En México tienes que caminar un poco más que en Ecuador. En Ecuador sí caminas, pero han desarrollado un sistema de que de los comederos donde los fotógrafos llegan o las personas que tienen problemas de movilidad ya no caminan tanto y en México es muy complicado hacerlo en México mayormente para observar una especie wow. tú tienes que caminar hasta cuatro kilómetros cinco kilómetros entonces aprendo mucho de ese sistema de birden
0: that's interesting okay so what Chucho's saying is that um in Ecuador but also he mentioned in some other places like Costa Rica There are certain birding sites that have like the comederos, like the places where they put out, um, you know, bananas and other food for birds to eat. It's just um, there's like more developed systems. And so you don't have to go as far. You don't have to travel as far to see species. You can see a lot of different species um, conveniently. But he's saying that in in Mexico or at least parts of Mexico, those systems don't exist yet yeah, just, uh, so you have to travel much farther yeah did i get that right
1: yeah yeah aha uh-huh, yeah in mexico it's complicated and in some places make a feeder because the birds and sometimes uh have a lot of fear it, it's complicated all right um in mexico if you want to see uh one target or or one bird <laughs> uh, maybe mm-hmm. you need like one
0: target bird you have
1: to yeah maybe you yeah. maybe you need to walk um three kilometers or four kilometers um uh, just for only bird and if for and some people it's it's, it's hard no uh but in ecuador have a beautiful birding system is that is is the good concept
0: yeah, I think I hadn't heard anyone use that phrase, but that's that. Yeah, I think that works. It's a new concept or a feeder yeah. system, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. I, yeah.
1: I englobe all the the, the, the feeders now because, um, in some places use worms for ant pitas for for. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, is I love it, this one system in South America. It's awesome. If you see and in and the, in the Facebook, Instagram, uh, one picture with a toucan between our flowers between the orchids, is this this one composition is, uh, for the feeders uh, almost no.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. That's that's part of what makes you know being able to travel to these different places so 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 interesting and so gratifying is to see how how different things can be. Um even in places that in some, some sense might be similar, you know, like yeah, I, different cloud forests. Yeah, I love I love learning
1: this one technique in other countries because uh, Ecuador is complicated to see on the top of one beer because Ecuador and South America have very big trees. It's very big trees. It's complicated. In Mexico, uh, it's sad, but little uh, trees uh, is maybe is most easy... And sometimes uh, watch uh, One Bird, no? Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Transitioning to our other big topic that I'd like to ask you about, you like to go birding in places where, not sometimes, where not many people go birding and maybe sites of social conflict, including, from what I understand, in places controlled by or with a presence of drug cartels. Now, the first thing I want to emphasize to our listeners is that this sounds so incredibly dangerous to me, I and the ABA, do not recommend doing this. But you've chosen to do this, uh, and you've done it in places near where you're from in Campeche province, but also in parts of Mexico that are far away from your home and have totally different ecosystems and birds like, um, like Michoacan. So... My first question is aren't you afraid what why do you why do you do this and and what's and also what's it like
1: <laughs> All the time I fear all the time and it's necessary because you need to stay very alert for 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 all is 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 the best advice from me no but I I, I do it because I like the unknown you for me have a question in my hand is the principal and reason for that I travel to these places, but I have a method. Uh, if the people mm-hmm. uh, want advice to me, don't enter if you don't have permissions because the permission is very essential if you want to uh, make a good bird trip in these places.
0: Yeah, that sounds like good advice. <laughs> don't go without permission yeah, but, anywhere.
1: Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's, it's complicated because um the cartel have the control um all the mounts if you want um it's a beautiful mount uh let's go no it's complicated because the cartel is very very big have a people on the top the mounts all the time the people it's watched you uh no it's easy escape if you don't have uh, permissions mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. in mexico two be watchers have troubles in tabasco because Enter an, uh, a place with the with where the cartel have the control. The video is in YouTube, but if you don't contact a local guide, um, local people, maybe you have troubles in some places.
0: You've written to me a little bit about a concept which I had absolutely never heard of before which you've called narco conservation. So narco conservation is the idea that areas controlled by drug cartels are so underdeveloped that it can actually be incidentally good for wildlife, including birds. So do I understand that right? Is this a widespread concept? Have people written about this? Do they use the term? What can you tell us about about this idea?
1: Yeah, uh, the term not, not is new, but, some words indirectly save some places. Uh, the most oldest um, example is Las Farc in Colombia. And sometimes it's mm. for some people it's complicated enter to the uh, one place with a weapon because in some time Las Farc think ah this this one is this man is a uh, is a cap soldier. Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe you don't make hunt inside the these one places because with a weapon it's complicated walk in in the jungle. It most, if you have very dangerous uh people around to you, no. Uh, it's the same. Right, it's the same in Mexico. In Mexico, just in, in, in some places because Michoacan uh have other system because of the deforestation. Um narco traffic is very hard there. But Sinaloa have other system and Sinaloa is have most communic communications inside the mounts and the communities. If you going, uh the people say say oh in this maybe one year ago the people say oh no now, now is very dangerous, don't pass here, maybe come back the next year. Um the local people say oh this these words, no? Um I just say okay, you are the local people, I don't have any problem. Uh we come back maybe the next year. My my best advice, my my best advice is you always need a local guide. Always. Right. I have a method. This one's my method.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, so you've also written that you like to photograph the human fauna landscape. What do you mean by that and why is that important to you? The last
1: question when talked about the uh, indigenous community or community, um, I like show with my picture what is the relationship in, in the towns, in the communities that live inside the, the, the jungle and forest, uh, how this one relationship have a evolution for save with the with the photography from the photography the mm-hmm. necessity for save I don't know I want the the most oldest tree no with a picture you need show what is the necessity from the tree. Mm. I, I explain me good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh in this case I want show also all the people what is the necessity of the world. The people this one generation is the last generation that maybe saved the world now because mm. the mm. photography now is is the great medium. If you want to show us something very, very direct, it's most graphic. You don't need maybe sometimes a long text. If you want say something, mm. it's most expressive, no? For me, no? For me, it's, it's my 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 my
0: idea yeah, I mean, I think that's beautiful. it's just it it's very it, it can be very tempting with bird photography. A lot of bird photography is like this where you're you you try to capture the bird in a way that sort of excludes um the human world, and that's virtually never i mean arguably. Never the reality we're all enmeshed in this greater landscape, um, and I think it's really interesting that you very consciously try to make that enmeshment um, part of your of your work and your and your photography. I think that's really cool, especially with an emphasis on indigenous communities. Let's do like a, a more yeah. a few more fun questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, where where would you most like to go birding? If you could, in the ABA area, so somewhere in U.S. in the U.S. or Canada, basically, um, what 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 a, are there any birds in the U.S. and Canada that you would most like to see? Ooh, it's very it's very easy. <laughs> okay, from the California
1: to Alaska. Oh,
0: what do you mean? Just like you would like to like do a road trip? Yeah, yeah, the road trip. Uh, look at uh, sooty grus, uh
1: dusky grooves, oh. red side grooves. Wow. Yeah, I love it. And, and bald eagle.
0: <laughs> Do you love the? Okay, you love the grouse. Yeah, the I grouse. love the
1: grouse. See, I love the grouse. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Oh, when I'm a child, I see the films f- from Alaska, from the Pacific uh, coast and states very close with these with one birds. The grossest is wow! It's awesome for me.
0: It's, it's my nemesis. That's so cool. So so you would like you would just like to be on like the Interamericana and just go north from from Mexico and just go all the way up to Alaska. That sounds good to you.
1: Yeah yeah I want.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. Wow! I hope you get to do it. That's really cool. Okay. Um, where would you most like to go birding in the world? Ooh. This one question is very easy. Okay. Indonesia. Really? Paradise bird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Do you have a Do you have a bird of paradise you'd most, most like to see? All these
1: species is, is will be new for me. I I, I don't see anything.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyone would be good. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> don't. No need to be picky. And you would want to photograph them. No. Sure. Just in the
1: zoos, I I I, I see the, some birds in the zoos, but never in, in the wildlife.
0: But you would like to photograph them,
1: yeah, yeah. It's the principal mission.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds very exciting. Cool. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us anything about some of your other professional ambitions? What do you want to accomplish in your birding and bird photography career? What are some of your dreams?
1: I want make a wildlife films. Okay. For the indigenous community. Mm. In Mayan language, Nahuatl language, and with a voicing enough about the stories in the wildlife because the people have the jungle in his garden is my is my uh, how do you say uh, slogan in this case yeah because we need save the the forests uh, maybe the films is the most direct medium if you want show to the people because sometimes. A lot of people in their communities don't read. Mm, oh, this is so okay. Because it's most easy if listened in original language. Oh, this is so most interesting. Easy.
0: This is wonderful. So what you're saying, okay? So what you're saying is that you would like to make like a documentary, a film about the bird yeah. life in your community. You're from. You're you're from and part of a Mayan community, and you want to make a film. That is in the Mayan language, so that people can understand and pre- Nahuatl. Yeah, and and so people can understand the beauty of the birds that are in their own gardens, because your garden is the is the rainforest. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, That's it's beautiful. it's my my next mission. Um, yeah, I have a uh, two two films. It's very short. It's talked about to the hummingbirds in Los Andes because you know Los Andes is. Is the best place if you want to talk about the hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. Well, I have two videos now, but maybe um, the next year I want show in uh, in my community this video.
0: Oh, that's nice. Okay, so can 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 our listeners watch your videos? No, no,
1: no, no. I don't have the internet. I just have in my in my PC and show in maybe some festival. Okay. Okay. With or in, or in community, when I have a trip inside the community, I show the video uh, because it's, it's, it's incomplete because I want maybe 10 videos, uh, maybe a one season for show uh, to the all the people. Oh,
0: wow, okay. For everybody. That sounds great. Okay, so if birders yeah. want to go birding with you, whether it's in Campeche or elsewhere, how can they do so? Where can you go birding with people? How do folks get in contact with you?
1: Okay. Uh, I have an Instagram and email. If you want to uh, see my, my gallery in Instagram, I am at sync underscore
0: photo on Instagram. Okay, excellent. I think we'll be able to put that information uh, in the show notes so people can see it. Yeah,
1: um, my email... Mm-hmm. Blink underscape J A M Y at synhotmail.com
0: okay. point com. Perfect. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell us about?
1: Uh well uh thanks for, for the invitation, my my dear, my dear friend Frank. Can I uh, send uh, regards to my friends in Ecuador? Of course. <laughs> uh yeah, because the, the, uh, the last uh, trip to Ecuador not is possible. For my friends, Liz, Alvaro, Eddie, Charlene, Carolina, Israel, and Alex.
0: (laughs) Okay, wonderful. Well, Chucho, it was so enjoyable to talk with you today, and it's really been an honor to feature your photos and writing in Birding Magazine. Thank you very much for joining me, and I look forward to future collaborations. Thanks so much to you
1: for all, Frank. Um, It's a pleasure and honor to stay here. You know, I hope this one invitation will be the begin for more invitations.
0: The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. We're a membership organization and we appreciate all of our members and supporters so much. That's what makes it possible for us to create the best bird media and get more people excited about birds and birding. If you enjoy this podcast and are not a member, please consider joining the ABA at aba.org join. We would love to have you be part of our organization. Nate Swick is birding in Panama right now, surely hitting the famous Pipeline Road, a road that runs along the Panama Canal and through primary rainforest and is well known for being an incredible birding destination. From what I understand, Nate is waking up early and staying up late every day to maximize his birding, a state of being he calls Pipeline Road Mode. Executive producer of the American Birding Podcast and executive director of the ABA is Nikki Belmonte. Nikki believes it's the ABA's mission to inspire birders to protect birds and their habitat within the ABA area, as well as beyond in places like the Neotropics, a belief she sometimes refers to as the Pipeline Road Code. Pipeline Road Code. Technical production is by John Lowry with help from David Hartley and Greg Neese. John Lowry loves Pipeline Road and has even thought about retiring in Panama, building a little home next to Pipeline Road and burning it every day. He says he'd call this his Pipeline Road abode. David Hartley hasn't been to Pipeline Road, but he would love to be invited to visit someday, a state of being he refers to as Pipeline Road bestowed. Greg Neese nice is also a big Neotropics fan and Pipeline Road fan. He once went birding on Pipeline Road and was so moved by the experience that he on the spot composed a beautiful, expressive, lyric poem he entitled The Pipeline Road Ode. The Pipeline Road Ode. He should try to get that published. Find us at aba.org, on Facebook at facebook.com birders, and on Twitter at aba. Questions and comments can be sent to podcast at aba.org. I'm your guest host, Frank Izagiri, filling in for Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Until next time.